that really in the Bible? You live in a world where everyone has an opinion about the Bible. Of what values are your beliefs if they are not clearly found in the pages of your Bible? The question we must ask is, are your opinions and beliefs really found in the Bible? Well, hello, I'm David Freeman Webb. Is that really in the Bible? Today, I want to start a series of programs on how to begin a relationship with God without church and religion. Yes, without church and religion. You know, there's a lot of people in the world who will never enter into a relationship with God through church and religion. They're sort of just cut off because, and I used to be one of them, church did not appeal to me. Religion did not appeal to me. And so what I want to do is reach out and try to touch people who will never enter into, maybe, maybe they desire to know God. They want to know God. There's something in their heart that is attracting them to God. But they will never enter into that relationship, to a relationship with God, through church and religion. These are sort of very wise people. They've sort of figured things out for themselves and realized much of this stuff is, you know, just not what it's cracked up to be. So, how to begin a relationship with God without church and religion. Now, the world's view is this, that the way you enter into a relationship with God is you choose the church of your choice. You know, you go to down the road, you drive in your car, and all the, this, what is it? I forget how many churches actually dot our land. Is it 450? I, I forget. Anyway, anyway, there's a lot of churches out there, and a lot of people will look at churches and say, that's a good church. Choose the church of your choice. And from there, they get some religion. And from there, they think they have a relationship with God. Well, what I'm going to be talking to you about is how to begin a relationship with God without church and religion. You see, I think we got it backwards. I think we got it. I think we put the cart in front of the horse. I think first you build a relationship with God. And then later, way down the road, you choose a church, which I like to refer to them as a support group. You know, a support group, not a church, but a support group of like-minded people. And what you'll find out is if you develop first a relationship with God without church and religion, when it comes time to find a church, you're going to find there's not a lot of churches out there that matches your convictions that have been revealed to you in your relationship with God that you have found out from the Bible that a lot of churches don't even match your convictions. It's going to be hard for you to find the church uh, once you develop a relation, a true relationship with God. But again, the world's view is go to church, get you some religion, and that's how you start a relationship with God. I'm saying it's not true. Now, I believe this, church and religion can be two of the greatest obstacles to building a relationship with God. They can actually be two great obstacles. Did you know church can make you a hypocrite? Oh yeah, I mean, let me, let me explain how it works. You know, you go to church and you say, I really enjoyed that sermon when you didn't. You're just saying it because it's the right thing to say. Some church, I've actually been to a church that had a mandatory meet and greet. It was part of the service. It was mandatory also. 
Well, it's time to have, you know, uh, shake a person's hand behind you. Uh, uh, let's everybody greet a, e each other. And how you doing, Bob? And how you doing, Sue? And, you know, and I, I'm thinking to myself, well, suppose I don't want to shake that guy's hand. Suppose I just saw him picking his nose. Uh, suppose he just, my neighbor just ran over my dog. I, I don't want to have this mandatory meet and greet. But it was, you know, you know hey, you, know, you smile. You got to smile, you know, you know, and shake everybody's hand. You know. I, I'm telling you, church can make is a hypocrite maker. It can be. We sing songs that really not our type of music, is it? We don't really like it. I mean, we're listening to rock and roll and disco. We're not church. You know, it's church songs. Ah, uh, we dress, some, dress in clothing that we don't normally dress in. Now, don't go too far with that one. I do believe you ought to, if you go to church, you ought to appear in your best before God. I, I, I agree with that. You shouldn't look like a, a bum coming to church, but you ought to dress your best. But, you know, still we're not used to doing that. That's not what we normally do, dress up like that. We tell the preacher, as a, you know, we, we tell people, That's, I'm doing great. How are you doing? I'm doing great. Great. When we're not. We're not doing great. We don't dare tell them how we're really doing. That we're down and out and got problems and I'm drinking too much and smoking too much and and um, eating too much, and I got emotional problems, mental problems, and I'm off in the head and all that. We don't tell anybody that. You know, we're great. You know, I'm doing great. Now, the question is this. Why would you want to build a relationship with God? Before we start to, you know, how to begin a relationship with God without church and religion, well, let's just cut to the chase here. Let's ask the question, why do you want to build a relationship with God? You know, a lot of people would say, well, prove to me there is a God and I'll, I'll, I might think about building a relationship with God. But first you've got to prove to me that there is a God. Listen, did you know they say in a court of law that you cannot prove that George Washington actually existed? I mean, yeah, you've got records. You, got, you can come close to it, by the way. But as far as in a court of law proving beyond a shadow of a doubt that George Washington ever existed, you can't do it. So when people say, well, prove to me that there is a God, I mean, you're talking about, you know, okay, prove to me that Jesus walked the earth 2,000 years ago. No, you can't do it. You're not going to be able to do it. Listen, you've got to want to believe. And that's the key, key point. You got, and that's a decision that only you can make. You've got to want to believe in God. You've got to want to believe in Jesus Christ, His Son. The difference between an atheist and a believer is this. The atheist doesn't want to believe. The believer wants to believe. And it's a matter of what you want. It's a matter of choice. Believing is seeing. I mean, let's ask, why would God want to reveal himself to a person who didn't want to believe in him? Why would you befriend a person who didn't believe in you? didn't like you, didn't believe in you, blamed you for all the woe and misery in the world. I mean, would you want to befriend a person like that? Would you want to reveal yourself to that person? No, of course not. So, how to begin a relationship with God without church and religion? My question first is, have you made the decision to believe in God? Because that's where it starts. That's the starting point. And you really can't go any further until you come to that starting point. It is your decision to believe or not to believe. That's your decision. No amount of external knowledge will convince you. No Bible teacher will convince you. In fact, 
God will not even try to convince you. You have to want to believe. You have to make the, the decision to believe in God. You know, there's a parable in the Bible, a story that Jesus told. Let's take a look at it, and I'll come back and tell you a little bit about it here. Luke 16, verse 30, And he said, Nay, Father Abraham, but if one went unto them from the dead, they will repent. Now, let me break in here. This story has often been used to try to explain the idiotic concept of people burning for all eternity in hell. It's not about that. It's a parable. It's a riddle. It's a story that Jesus, it's an analogy that Jesus gives. And the point of this story, Lazarus and the rich man, has nothing to do with burning for all eternity in hell. The moral of this story is coming up right here. This man was concerned about his family members. And he said, look, if, if one witness from the dead to my family member, they would believe. You know, you got this family member you're concerned about. You don't know if they're saved or lost or whatever. And, you, and someone is resurrected from the dead and comes to speak to your family member and says, God is real. Then they would believe, right? Well, let's look at Jesus' answer. Luke 16 and verse 31. And he said to him, If they hear not Moses and the prophets, that is the Bible, neither would they be persuaded, though one rose from the dead. Listen, nothing's going to convince you. No amount of external knowledge, no Bible teacher is going to convince you. Even people being raised from the dead and coming and witness to you at your bedside, you know, that would not convince you either. You gotta wanna believe, is what I'm saying. So are you ready to begin a relationship with God without church and religion? Let's ask this question. Why do you want to start a relationship with God? Well, I'm gonna give you some points here about why, at least I do, and maybe these will help you. First reason why, you, why I think you wanna start a relationship with God is that your personal intellect is limited. Now, some people will never admit this, that their personal intellect is limited. You know, I have found that when people get older and maybe they go through a midlife crisis, they get to the point, and what causes a midlife crisis is that, is that you think you've got life all figured out. That's really what causes one. You know, you think you've done it all, you've done everything, your children have moved away, you got married, you built a home, you got a business, and, and you've got life all figured out, and that's what causes a midlife crisis. But a lot of times when people come to this point, they, they go either two ways. They either end up hating life or they think they're smarter than God. When they get, think they got life all figured out, they either end up hating life, that's one, one side, or they end up thinking they're smarter than God. Uh, where do you fit in, by the way? Probably one or the other. Now anyway, so what I'm saying is your personal intellect is limited. You cannot create or build something smarter than yourself. You do realize that. You can only use the knowledge that you have. But you can't build and create something smarter than yourself. You can duplicate things. I duplicated a dry pond. It's called a dry pond. I got the idea from real ponds. I'd look at real ponds that God created, or maybe man built them, but you know what I'm saying. You know, a supply of water. And I built a dry pond. You dig a hole in the ground, you put plastic on it, you put rocks around it, you put a circulating pump on it. I built a waterfall. It looks pretty cool, you know. I got a book that said, a weekend project. You build your dry pond, it's a weekend project. 
been working on it 20 years now. And it's still not through. But it's pretty and it looks nice and I like the sound of the waterfall, but it's, I'm just duplicating things that's already been created. So when you know, you can't create or build something smarter than yourself. The earth travels around the sun at a speed of 64,000 miles per hour. That's pretty fast, by the way. From the time that you go to sleep until the time that you wake up, you have traveled over 64,000, you have traveled, excuse me, over a half million miles on this spaceship called planet Earth. From the time you go to sleep until the time you wake up, you've been traveling around the sun at a speed of 64,000 miles per hour on this spaceship called planet Earth. The hydrologic cycle is an amazing thing. You know, there are, there's no new water on the Earth. Water is not being created. You know, the, the ocean waters evapor, evapor, evaporate. The deadly salt water is left behind. The vapor turns into clouds. The clouds are carried away. They release their rain on the Earth, different locations. The rain goes to the creeks, to the rivers, and it all goes back into the ocean again. It's just a continuous cycle. There's no new water being created. It's called the hydrologic cycle. Did you create that? Did you put that together? Did you make that? You came up with that idea, didn't you? Then there's photosynthesis, which is amazing how we stay alive. You know, the, the leaves of the trees, the plant life put off um, oxygen, fresh oxygen, and we breathe out carbon dioxide, and, and that's what the plants got to have to live on. That's what the trees have got to have, what we breathe out to live on, and it's just a continuous cycle. A lot of things that God created, it's just a continuous cycle that makes life work, makes all this thing stick together and work. But you did that, didn't you? And then there's the gravity pull of the moon on the oceans. You know, the, the, the ocean, there's a lot of water out there, and the waters, from God's perspective said, man, I need a big stir stick. I have got to stir up all this water. And so he created a moon, the gravitational pull of the moon, and it creates the tides, the oceans, the waves that come in and out to keep all that big, huge body of water stirred up. Because without that, everything in the sea would die. And if that happened, you would die. But you put that together, didn't you? You created that. Wow, I'm impressed how you come up with all this, how you can create things smarter than yourself. So when I realize that there's a great designer, a great creator, I want to know more. I want to know if, if he could share some of that wisdom with me. I would greatly appreciate it. Now, Psalms 119 and verse 98 says, You through your commandments have made me wiser than my enemies, for they are ever with me. I have more understanding than all my teachers, for your testimonies are my meditations. Notice this. He says, I've got more understanding than all my teachers. You know, you go to college and, you know, they teach you there is no God, there is no creator. A pack of idiots teaching this stuff. You know, they don't believe in God. But David says, I've got more understanding than all my teachers. I understand more than the ancients because I keep your precepts. You know, David was able to connect up the fact that being obedient to God's law created an incredible amount of wisdom in how to make life work. Which brings me to the second point of why you want to build a relationship with God. You want to know how to make life work. 
instruction manuals. You know, you get those things and there's a reason you have an instruction manual on nearly everything. Your car has an instruction manual. You ever ask why? Well, human beings have an instruction manual. It's called the Bible. But what's the best way to live life? What's the best decision I can make? This will work. This will not work. Instruction manual. I want to know how to make my life work. You know, you have the wisdom books in the Bible. And Proverbs 10 and verse 23. Let's just go through a few of these here. It says, it is a sport to a fool to do mischief. But a man of understanding has wisdom. It is a sport to a fool to do mischief. You ever met people, a lot of times you meet them at the workforce, you got this one big mouth person always gossiping and their goal is to stir up contention between other people. They'll go over to this person and tell a little secret and then they'll go over to this person and tell a, tell a little secret. You know there are people that can read people very well and they know how to get this contention and strife back and forth and they're mad and they're angry and people are just you know, they're the gossip person that is there. They're very deceitful. They're very manipulating. Well, this verse says, It is as sport to a fool to do mischief. They love it, and they're a fool. Proverbs 6 and verse 32. But whosoever commits adultery with a woman lacks understanding. He that does it destroys his own soul. Well, what's this about? Destroying your own soul. Whoever commits adultery destroys his own soul. That's sort of harsh, is it not? Well, you know, they say that there are strains of bacteria that, that can, be tr can be traded back and forth between husband and wife, and nothing happens. Nothing happens. But when you introduce multiple partners, these strains of bacteria actually mutate and take on a life all their own, you know, and creating STDs. Now, you ever heard of the STD, sexual transmitted disease called AIDS? Well, sure you have. And this verse says, whosoever commits adultery destroys his own very soul. Proverbs 6 and verse 6, and we're dealing with the wisdom book and why we might want a relationship with God. Go to the ant, you slugger, you sluggard, consider her ways and be wise, which has no God, overseer, or ruler, provides her meat in the summer and gathers her food into harvest. You know, I used to work at sales knitting for about three months. I was amazed at the thousands of people who would file in there, who had been there for 20 years working at this factory and and what I realized even back then as a teenager it was that when you work for someone 60% of your income goes to the guy who tells you what to do and this verse says go to the ant and consider her ways and be wise she doesn't need a guide or overseer she can make those decisions for herself and that's one of the keys to having money being able to make decisions for yourself, not needing someone over you to guide, to direct, to tell you every when to go to the bathroom, when to take a break, when to eat lunch. No, you're, you're like a self-directed Christian. Self-directed Christian. Proverbs 9 and verse 8, dealing with the wisdom books and why you might want a relationship with God. 
Reprove not a scorner, lest he hate thee. Rebuke a wise man, and he will love you. How can you tell if a person is a fool or a wise man? Well, correct a fool, and he will hate you. Correct a wise man, and he will love you. So if you've got fools in the workforce, this is how you tell the difference between a fool and a wise man. You go up to that person, needs correcting. If he hates you, he's a fool, get rid of him. Correct a wise man and he will love you. Third reason why you might want a relationship with God is that, and this is amazing right here, a lot of times we sort of think like God. And which tells you a lot about God. That First of all, he created you. And it shouldn't surprise us that every now and then, it doesn't happen a lot, but every now and then there are certain characteristics that you can have where you actually sort of, you and God, you sort of think the same way. All right, let me give you an example. I've always realized that pain is a great motivator. It really is. I mean, if you want to know what will make you change, it's pain. Pain is a great motivator. I used to have a uh, when I was a teenager, I had a, a 70 model Stingray Corvette. I ran out of gas and I walked to the store and I, I, they didn't have a gas can. I put gas in a mason jar. And I'm walking down the road with my mason jar of gas, poured it in that car. I thought, man, this is painful. This is painful beyond belief. I look like a fool out here running out of gas on my, my nice Corvette. And I thought, I will never do this again. And sure enough, I haven't ran out of gas since then. It's just plumb stupid to run out of gas when you think about it. Pain is a great motivator. If a man won't work, neither should he eat. That's a great motivator. You want to get these bums to working that are out there holding that sign up, will work for food. All you got to do is just cut off their food supply and I guarantee you they will find a job. But you know, we relieve a person of their pain often thinking we're doing a Christian duty. We're doing good and when we're really not. There are times when we think like God. You know, the reason God doesn't alleviate people from their pain and suffering is because, God, because pain is a great motivator to get people to change. God understands this. And maybe you understand it also. And in that sense, you sort of think like God when you understand that pain is a great motivator. Fourth reason you might want to start a relationship with God is that it's what I call reality and all its ugliness. My life is just going by too quick. And you know, James 4 and verse 14 will say this, For what is your life? It is even a vapor that appears for a little time and then vanishes away. A vapor, man. You know, the person who lives to be 78 years old will spend four years on the toilet, 26 years sleeping, nine years watching TV. Did you know that only leaves about 39 years of getting anything done? Time to get anything done? 39 years. I mean, goodness gracious. I'm, a, I'm already 51 years old and I told my wife, I only got 10 good years to do what I really want to do with, is that really in the Bible? I don't want to be up here with a walking cane, you know, shuffling around, stumbling around. You know, I want to get this done quickly. And my point is, you don't have time to do all the things you want to do. What you need is eternity. 
If a man dies, shall he live again? All the days of my appointed time will I wait till my change come. You will call and I will answer thee. You will have a desire to the work of your hands. You know, this was written thousands of years before the Messiah, Jesus, came on the scene. And you got to ask, well, what did these people in the Old Testament believe about the afterlife? Well, here, Job looked at himself as an unfinished work. That the day would come when God would look down at the resurrection and say, I remember Job, I'm not through with him yet. An unfinished work. So why do I want to begin a relationship with God? Well, because my life is nothing more than a vapor. It's going to be over before I know it. And one day God's going to look at me and say, hey, I remember him. He's an unfinished work. Why do I want a relationship with God? Sometimes we think like God, which is, can be very encouraging, you know. We both understand, me and God, we both understand that pain is a great motivator. And sometimes you just got to let people experience their pain to get them to change. Why do I want a relationship with God? Well, because I want God to show me how to make my life work. You know, I would rather my life work than not work, bottom line. Why do I want a relationship with God? Well, because my personal intellect is just limited. I understand that. But God's intellect is not. And I don't know of any other human being that can offer me these great benefits. Really, when you think about it, I don't know of anyone else that can offer me these you know, monumental, great benefits that God can offer me. Maybe it's time for you to begin a relationship with God without church and religion. I'm David Freeman. Stay tuned for the next program on how to begin a relationship with God without church and religion, and I'll see you next time. There are over 450,000 churches in America, yet America continues its downward spiral towards immorality and corruption. The problem is, people have substituted a personal relationship with God for church and religion. The paradox is this, a personal relationship with God must first begin in the absence of church and religion. If you would like more information or if you have any questions, write to Is That Really in the Bible? 27 Brookledge Lane, Rocky Mount, Virginia 24151. Or visit us on the web at isthatreallyinthebible.net.